This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news thanks to Race Fuels. From supercars to club racing, Race Fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need it. And fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Coming up, Larco's mid-season review is scuds and duds. Tick for driver dilemma, five into four won't go. Jet Johnson's future, no nepotism, declares Dick. Plus, Gen 3 engines heading to the States for a big test and what's happening with Molly Taylor. All this and more straight ahead on Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Hi there, race fans. At the halfway mark of the Repco Supercars Championship, it's still all to play for despite title holder Shane Van Gisbergen's early domination. The series resumes at the Townsville 500 next week, with SVG leading Anton Di Pasquale by 214 points and Cam Waters lurking a further 94 points back. ADP and Waters are gaining momentum as Van Gisbergen slightly stumbled in Darwin, while Chaz Mostert is riding a wave of, well, inconsistency. As we head into the decisive second half of the season, who better to review performances so far than popular pit lane TV pundit Mark Larkham? An unabashed fan, Larko also calls it as he sees it. He delivered his mid-season report card to Parked Up Plus, nominating his standouts and his disappointments. Well, I've got to say, you know, I'm a long-time fan of Anton. I've worked with him, as you know, and he really needed, for all his speed, folks, you know, we've seen last year, you know, fastest guy over a lap consistently, more poles than anyone, but he just wasn't converting that into results. And, you know, this year he's had to sort of, for me, take a step back a little bit, not get involved in so many incidents and score points. And I think he's done a really good job of that. And that's hard to do when you're Anton Di Pasquale and you have, he sets very high expectations of himself. Um, but, you know, as recent as the weekend, you know, he's now accumulated points. So I think that was his first race win for the weekend, folks. So to, you know, to learn to consolidate, sometimes uh, be prepared to lose a battle, to win a war, to learn that you can't win every race. Some days your car isn't good enough. So, you know, I've been impressed with that this year. I know Ludo's had to work pretty hard with him on that. So that's been one of the standouts. Uh, You know, I don't have to talk about Van Gisberg and he's just been a, you know, uh, a gem to watch. And from our point in the telecast, mate, you know, it's, it's great. He serves as well because he always, you know, so often does the one out and one back strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, hangs out there longer, uh, puts some tyres on the car late, allows me the opportunity to run down the other end of the pit lane and jump on the gap to leader in the Hino Hub and tell you he's coming at him. So I've really enjoyed uh, that bit. So, um, and, and I guess, how do you look past the unbelievable consistency at the top end from Will Davidson at this stage of his career? And the turn of speed he showed on the weekend was, you know, just phenomenal. I wouldn't have expected it a year ago, so well done, Will. So, is Larko saying that ADP is coming and that SVG should be afraid in the back half of the season? Yeah, I don't know if it's SVG be afraid, but, you know, when you've got someone that's as outright fast as Anton and is starting to learn how to put a 
championship together. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, the weekend proved again that um, it's not all SVG. I mean, he's remarkable to watch. He's a remarkable talent. Mm-hmm. Um, boring on a on a freak, particularly since uh, he hasn't got Scotty round to rattle him. Um, but he's he's beatable, and you know, it's it's funny. Although we're talking about Anton Fogues, the the guy that impresses me the most when he can get his car near him is Waters. Just there's something about Waters, Cameron Waters' demeanour mm-hmm. when his car is fast enough that that just I don't know. He seems to be just completely cool to to muscle his way without being over the top with um, with SVG. And in fact, I spoke to Cam on the weekend privately about this. So, you know, just how much I enjoy when he's in that zone. And for me, it just puts pressure on the team to. You know, much easier said than done. But if you can give Cam a fast car, he will take it to Shane. Um, but you know, it's sadly a little bit up and down. You know, it's uh, this this momentum that Triple Eight carry, which is a whole other topic. But Jamie did say at the start of the year, uh, when asked, he, he made the point that you know, too early to judge. His performance, and I don't know if you picked up, folks. Roland said it to me on the weekend. He, he actually said, um, "Let's wait another, basically another year, because Triple Eight have got so much momentum that they've built up over a couple of decades that that's going to clearly carry for a little while." And Shane's in the mix of that at the moment. It's all working nicely, but for better or for worse, I'm not sure yet. But Jamie's management style is different to Roland's. That's a fact. Um, and, you know, let's just wait a little longer and see what happens there. Mate, we're shaping up for a, a seriously great championship. And, you know, we could talk about Gen 3 next year, but we really are. There's some some really key players in there. Although, personally, I get frustrated sometimes. You know, I, I've come to, and maybe I make it too obvious sometimes, I just, there's something about the atmosphere in that Walkinshaw United Andretti United team, I, I just really like. Yeah. Um, it, it's got a good vibe going in there, and I like the guys, and they've been working hard. And just when you think they've broken through, and we all get pretty excited. And that's, hey, folks, I'm a Ford guy, but I, I get excited when that team performs well. Uh, and then, then they kind of just fall off a cliff again. Mm. Um, and by their own, they, their own standards, they know they need a whack. Um, but it just shows how hard this game is. And year on year, and we keep banging on about it, but it's right. You know, I mean, the tents keep closing up. And I said to Dick Johnson on the weekend, he, he made the point, I was, I was standing next to him after qualifying. And like a tenth now is equivalent to one second when he was racing. You know, that's a, a ten times the margin. Uh, so you've only got to be a little bit out of the window with a damper setting or a, a spring rate. Um, or a camber setting, or a tyre pressure, uh, or you don't optimise the cloud cover, or, or overshoot a brake marker. Just the tiniest thing that costs you one-tenth of a second. So faster than what it is to click your fingers. I mean, it'll shuffle you from second back to twelfth. I mean, it's extraordinary. According to Larkham, it all adds up to an exciting battle for the title still to come. You know, it is. It's pretty exciting um what's happening in there at the moment mate and you know I, the only thing I, I, I am a bit frustrated i would like to see you know we talked about Erebus before but 
I'm frustrated that Justecki and Will Brown aren't in the mix. They've dropped completely off the radar mm. from from the promise that they showed. And again, I you know, I'm, as you know, folks, I, I am. I'm privileged to be able to walk in and out of garages and talk to different people. And I've just walked in there too many times recently. Okay, they had some you know a few pit stop bungles and bits and pieces during the year, but too many times I've walked in there and their cars are just outside that window that we talk of, and it's only a little bit. But it's enough, and you can see the frustration in in, in the boys' faces. And uh, well, that, they yeah, are really, clearly the disappointment of the season so far. Yeah, they are, particularly after the promise they showed. You know, so uh, but they're a couple of really talented guys, and you know, I'm not at all surprised that senior teams would be fishing for those drivers because they're a couple of t- couple of talents. Cool. I mean, as impressive as Will Brown's record is, you know, there's a bunch of us love Kostecki. We love his demeanour, the love, you know, and that happened from when he took on Jamie Wink up there a couple of times at yep. Bathurst. And very much like Anton Di Pasquale does the same thing. He said to me years ago, he doesn't see the name on the side of the car. It's just a race car. Doesn't care who's in it. And Kostecki multiplies that by about four, doesn't he? Oh, we love, the love mon- we love the mongrel. We love the mongrel. Love the mongrel. Yeah. Love the mongrel. As Lucko noted, Cam Waters has the mongrel in him to take the fight right up to Shane Van Gisbergen. Tickford Racing boss Tim Edwards is, well, cautiously bullish about Waters mounting a second-half title challenge. Well, I mean, you know, we're not really thinking about the title. We, you know, we're thinking about Townsville at the moment and we'll get through Townsville and we'll think about Tail and Bend and Sandown and so on. So, you know, it's the championship will take care of itself, you know, the... The reality is Gizzy's got a, a good head start on everybody because he was, you know, panning out those race wins at the beginning of the season. So, um, you know, it's going to be hard to claw it back, you know, not insurmountable. And, you know, he could conceivably have a zero pointer at Bathurst and that would turn everything on its head. You know, we've certainly had some, you know, some you know, a couple of drive through penalties that put us back to the to last and things like that that, um, that have really hampered our you know, points tally, you know, so far this year. So, look, you know, we just got to keep focusing on trying to win races, you know, and and if he has a bit of misfortune, you know, that puts us back in the hunt without any misfortune, I think it would be, uh, you know, it'd be not impossible to, to get back that points deficit. It's just too great a deficit at the moment. Interestingly, as silly season speculation hots up, Edwards has a potential driver dilemma on his hands. He has five drivers vying for four places next year. Now, Waters is a lock for 2023 and beyond, but James Courtney, Thomas Randall and Jake Kostecki, well, they may not be so secure, with Tickford's Super 2 protege Zach Best knocking on the door. Edwards says his surfeit of drivers is actually a good problem to have. I have agree. I have agreements of uh, uh, varying degrees with all five of my drivers. But you won't be running five, so some, someone's got to give, haven't they? Well, I mean, Zach is still doing his apprenticeship in Super Two, so I have four VCS drivers at the moment, and I have an agreement with Zach for future years. Now, you know, as we navigate through twenty twenty three and twenty twenty four, um, you know, we'll see what that leads to. So James Courtney, who will, I think, be the oldest driver on the grid easily next year, he's good to go next year. You're sticking with him? 
as I say, all of my drivers I have agreements with for next year. I'm not going to get into specifics about their personal agreements, but all of the all of my drivers I have varying agreements with, and they are all different agreements, but I have agreements with all of them for next year. So I won't be short of drivers for next year. James Courtney, who will be 42 this time next year, would seem to be the most vulnerable despite a multi-year deal. But Edwards is backing Courtney to remain competitive for some time yet. Oh, look, he's got no no intentions of backing off any time too. So, I mean, you know, I joke with him all the time about, you know, there, there has to be, a, you know, there has to be an end point. Um, but, you know, I think even when he does hang up his full-time helmet, you know, I think he's still got a lot to give to the sport. So, you know, I don't think he's going to disappear off anytime soon, much the same as, you know, Lansley didn't just disappear off the scene once he once he hung it up for, for full-time racing. You know, I think James is certainly going to be one of those drivers that that is uh, around and amongst us um, for years to come. But, you know, he's still driving really well. You know, the couple, last couple of rounds, yeah, he's had some, you know, tough tough qualifying but you know you saw on Saturday in Darwin you know he had a shock in qualifying but you know he was still you know made it up to the top 10 by the end of that race but so because his racecraft is still you know exceptional so the problem is you know as you saw on the weekend when you qualify back there you know unfortunately they get in, involved in the Hartford battle for 20th which is the most Hartford battle on the track. Meanwhile, Tickford Racing has confirmed its Bathurst 1000 driver pairings. It's a strong lineup with no surprises. James Moffat aligned again with Waters, Courtney partnered by Zane Goddard, Zach Best with Randall, and Kirk Gostecki joining his brother Jake. The Johnson family is set to join the great dynasties of motor racing. There's the Brabhams, the Andrettis, and the Unsers all with three generations of accomplished racers. Australia's first domestic third-gen driver is Jet Johnson, grandson of V8 legend Dick and son of supercars lost talent Steve. At just 17, Jet is on his way competing in TA2. A careful development program has been mapped out for the youngster with Super 3 and Super 2 beckoning if he's good enough. DJR is also watching him, obviously, but as Dick Johnson made clear to Parked Up Plus, Jet is going to have to earn his place in the family firm. Well, I don't know about a dynasty, but at the end of the day, um, you know, he's he's his own person and um, it's his choice. It's not, not something that he's been forced into. And, and I can assure you that there'll be no such thing as nepotism around here, but uh, if he gets a gig... In a team, it'll be the fact that he's earned it uh, through ability. Okay, so with Jet, you said quite clearly there'll be no nepotism. Yep. But obviously, you're a proud grandfather. That's to say the least, yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, is it difficult to be objective? Well, look, you know, I suppose you always try and put, um, well, you know, the, the way you think of your grandkids, you think they're probably the best in the world, which... <laughs> where they are or not, it's another thing. But, you know, as long as they do the right thing and and, and don't do anything stupid, I think, uh, and, and they get the experience, so they've got a chance of going wherever they want to go. And that's what we're trying to do is create the opportunity for them. Hmm. So, looking long term, does he potentially have a future at Dick Johnson Racing? 
Well, only time will tell there because you know, that's that's a decision that I would not be part of. Because uh, and I back down on that because if he gets there, it'll be on purely on merit. Well, that's interesting. So you've stepped back. You've removed yourself from any process. Remove myself from any process in that uh, in that way for the simple reason that it just wouldn't be right. And you know, as much as uh, I'd like to sort of say, well, yeah, he's good enough for this. Well, that's not for me to say. I think it's uh, it's up to the uh, to the engineers and the people around us uh, and uh, how he handles himself. Which at this point in time. He's handling himself very, very well indeed. He, he's been doing pretty well in the uh, TA2 car. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought that was probably a, a better way for him to go uh, because obviously Stephen has been stepping aside as well as far as running him. He, he's only the spanner man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and quite frankly, Stephen steps aside in the decisions of telling him what to do and that. It's all down to the engineering bloke that he's got, he's working with. In fact, Dick agrees that his son Stephen's potential was compromised by not doing his supercar's apprenticeship at another team. A cautionary warning for Jet. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. But, um, and I think one of the reasons, or should I say, one of the, one of the downfalls of uh, the system back then was that um that i was i was in the business for too long or in in the driver's seat mm. for too long but that was mainly because of obviously sponsor sponsorship agreements etc so um but yeah i think uh, he would have been much better off you know heading elsewhere more after this short break hey there race fans we think parked up is great but if you need a change of pace and tone tune into the girls on the grid podcast with priya richards and tanea mcleod it's all motorsport but spoken from a female point of view girls on the grid every monday on all your favorite podcast platforms you're listening to parked up plus welcome back supercars gen 3 ford and gm v8s will be off to the usa soon for extensive durability testing Once parity settings between the 5.4-litre Ford Coyote and 5.7-litre GM LTR motors are finalised, and that's expected to happen next month, the prototypes will be sent to the States. They'll both undergo 10,000-kilometre dynamometer tests to confirm durability. The Gen 3 engines are designed to last a full season without a major rebuild at a substantial cost saving. Ford Performance and GM Performance in Detroit will conduct the tests respectively. Now, the reason the engines are being dispatched over there, probably by early August, is that they have transient dynos which can replicate racetrack running. We understand that there are no transient dynos in Australia, only water brake dynos which are limited to, well, pretty much flat out tests. A transient dyno can replicate endless laps of, say, Mount Panorama and costs at least half a million dollars and more than a million with the full fruit. Yeah, so you can understand why they're sending them over there to do the durability testing. The Gen 3 Ford V8 has been developed by Herod Performance Engines, formerly Mostec. KRE is behind the GM LTR variant. Still no news on whether rally star Molly Taylor will continue her Stream E titled defence. Taylor was replaced at Rosberg's team 
and contested this year's first round with another squad. But she has no deal yet for next week's double header of the electric off-road series in Sardinia, Italy. Now, we understand that Taylor is still in discussions to get a start and hopefully re-secure her place in Extreme E. Well, it's been a busy past week for racing news. The highlights, as we predicted last week, the Adelaide 500's return has been formally confirmed. It'll be the supercars season ender from December 1 to 4, and that's part of a five-year deal. James Golding has emerged as the hot favourite to replace Gary Jacobson at Premier Racing. With Zane Goddard and Kurt Gostecki out of the running, both sticking with their Tickford Racing Bathurst co-drives, Golding is set to take over the subway-backed Commodore from Townsville onwards. Aussie GT ace Matt Campbell has been promoted to Porsche's super sports car comeback next year. Campbell has been named in the driver's squad for the new Penske-run Porsche 963 LMDH racer in the WEC, including the Le Mans 24 Hours. The young Queenslander has been a Porsche protégé since winning the Australian Carrera Cup in 2016, going on to earn a junior scholarship. And Formula Ford will get a modern revamp from 2024. A new low-cost chassis design combining a traditional space frame chassis with the latest safety measures, including a halo, has been agreed. The update will secure Formula Ford's future as the nursery for aspiring overseas and supercars talent, continuing its long tradition. Back after this brief message. Racing cars need racing fuel, and Race Fuels is the best, most convenient way to power through your next meeting. Our famous Elf Race 102 is the control fuel of choice for the Touring Car Masters. It's available at the Bowsers, at Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bend, and it's available in drums at Winton. Imported direct from France, Elf Race 102 is affordable horsepower. For more details, head to racefuels.com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. And we're on the home straight. With his wrap-up of the weekend's race and rally action, here's Grant Rowley. MotoGP saw another fascinating Assen TT where Ducati's Francesco Begnayad led from start to finish and title leader Fabio Quartararo crashed twice. Aussie Jack Miller had an up-and-down race, fighting back from a long-lap penalty to sit fourth, only to cross the line sixth after a last-lap lunge by Alex Esperago. Fellow Aussie Remy Gardner finished 19th. Toyota completed a top-four lockout in WRC's toughest event, Kenya's Safari Rally. Calais Rovenpera continued his charge to his first world title to win from Elfin Evans, Takamoto Katsuda and Sebastian Auger. Still off-road but on home soil, Toyota were again victorious in ARC as Harry Bates continued his winning form, joined by co-driving legend Coral Taylor to win in Tasmania. In the NASCAR Cup Series at Nashville, a delayed start due to lightning and rain led to a late-night finish with Napa Auto Parts' Chase Elliott taking victory in the 300-lap event. FIA WTCR raced at Jarama with Audi's Gilles Magnus and young gun Mikkel Azcona from Hyundai splitting the wins. 
and at Goodwood, motorsport history was on show, highlighted by a touching moment when three-time world champion and paraplegic Wayne Rainey rode up the famous driveway in his 1992 Yamaha YZR 500. He did it alongside his rivals from the day, Kevin Schwantz and Mick Doohan, in addition to the legend Kenny Roberts. That's the racing news from home and abroad. My name is Grant Rowley and I'm reporting for Parked Up Plus. More from Grant in Parked Up on Thursday. And finally, a deserved plug for our sister podcast, Girls on the Grid. In the latest episode, Tanea McLeod and Pierre Richards speak with Supercars star David Reynolds' partner, Jahan Lu. Now, they met when Lou was a grid girl. And in the latest Girls on the Grid, she defends glamour on the grid. It's a certain marketing style that actually did work. So I think it was probably silly to get rid of it for, I think, I personally think it's like being politically correct. Because I feel like that's how a lot of girls made money. That was, they took away a lot of girls. Some girls solely just did promo modeling for, like, for money. That took away a big chunk of people's paycheck. So I think it didn't really... The, for the reasons that I thought it was they were doing it, like taking it away, didn't really serve the purpose. I feel like if it was actually degrading towards women, yeah, maybe it should have been looked at or removed. That's it for now. Back this time next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley and another special guest on Thursday for more discussion and debate on local and international racing. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to another Network Car production. 